Hello and welcome to the DMBA podcast where we share business confidence with the design community. Today with me are Franz and Tom. Hey Franz, hey Tom. Hey. Hey Alan, hey Franz. Hey, 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 hey. hey so hey. Uh, today we're going to do a second business design teardown. We did the first one a couple of weeks back and you really liked it. It seemed to struck a chord with uh, a lot of you. So we decided to do another one and we chose another um, company that's kind of a darling of the design community and we'll maybe tear it down or maybe we'll fall in love. Let's see. But Tom, so what is the company we will cover today? Well, um, I guess appropriate to have a drum roll because this is a, an audio based company that we're going to be tearing down today, which is premium Wi-Fi connected speaker, designer, manufacturer, Sonos, which, go on, Alan, you were going to say something there. I just wanted to show. Hey. So this is it, yeah. Is this the S1? SL, one SL. SL. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, I did ask Alan, um, was this a research purchase? He, he reassures me he've had this, this for, for months. Uh, I'm not sure I <laughs> yes. believe him. Um, <laughs> um yeah, you still have Sonos. a box? It's just a box. He's just got a box for an S1. He hasn't actually got um, a speaker. <laughs> I just bought a box to make it look like it's... No, it's here. Uh, actually, you, I mean, it's a funny story why it's here, why it's not being used. Go on, <laughs> it's in the go box. On. <laughs> funny story is it arrived yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had it for a few years, but um, in, in this room... Um, yeah, we, we will move shortly. So I just started to pack a few things and it didn't in this room where I'm not right now. The Wi-Fi is not the best or like my computer keeps switching to another Wi-Fi. So long story short, I'm not using it at the moment, but mm. it's a nice product. Cool. We could have done live unboxing, you know, <laughs> that, that goes well on YouTube. Um, but yeah, it's Sonos. So a bit like the Lululemon episode last week, uh, last episode even, a premium product right there's no denying and i think that will become a bit of a pattern with these teardowns as, as far as designers loving a product or loving a brand a lot of them tend to fit into the premium space we will try and move away from that occasionally but can't be denied these are expensive speakers um they really index high on kind of design usability the experience of unboxing and and using and we're gonna get into that um big time but sonos had been around for a while founded in 2002 i've got some notes here about them um in santa barbara california um bunch of people who had already worked in tech hardware so it was john mcfarlane uh, craig shelbourne tom cullen and trim may um, they were all tech veterans, but they kind of took those efforts that work they'd already done in hardware um, and really saw that streaming, music streaming, music being online was that was just an unstoppable force and that the current hardware wasn't really set up um, to give the most seamless experience when you're getting a great experience of streaming, the hardware wasn't going to live up to expectations. So ahead of the game um, on that stuff and wanted to just make it very easy to enjoy this new way of experiencing uh, that content. So their first product, which I don't remember, I mean, Sonos only came onto my radar probably about 10 years ago, um, something called the ZP100 amplifier also known as the connect amp i don't know if either of you are familiar with this i've looked it yeah. up it 
it looks okay. Uh, it's certainly not the same design language that they have now. Um, but that wasn't released until 2005, and that was an amplifier um, that you could connect to the internet. And a lot of their early devices you could kind of connect your existing hardware yeah. to, which is really interesting. It's not something that's really a factor now. But, you know, if you had really decent hi-fi equipment, um, getting streamed music into that was a pain in the bum. Um, so this allowed you to kind of... Um, make that a bit easier but connect existing stuff some people still run some of these amps um with their like high-end stuff even uh years on obviously since then they've moved more into the kind of standalone uh speaker market that's that is what they offer now so not so much connecting other people's stuff or not at all but buying a all-in-one speaker or set of speakers that just gives you this absolutely incredible um, audio experience with none of the faff you know, I'm someone who in the past has been really into like hi-fi separates. Mm. It was a bit of an audiophile earlier in my in my life. I blame my parents for that. And, you know, this stuff took up half of my like room when I was growing up. And it was... So you had one of these big stereos? Yeah, all the Technic stuff and like big speakers on stands. And I was like a bit of a geek for it, a bit of a snob for it. And then as I moved out... Um, like late in later life, I didn't have the space for this stuff, so I ended up like giving it to my brother, and um, but then did want to get back into audio. So that's how I kind of learned about Sonos. I was like, I want really good quality audio, but I don't want the footprint. And I, we'll, we'll get into that when it comes to the design stuff. So they've really carved out that niche of being a player who does these quite compact all-in-one speakers. There are a lot of those in the market, but they are playing in that that kind of premium tier that a lot of the competition aren't and we'll, we'll talk about that yeah. a little later um they went public in 2018 ipo'd in uh, 2018 which i'm sure alan will touch on a little bit later um but yeah i think the thing with these these are long-lasting premium products easy to use robust and i think that's what we kind of love about them the setup process is so slick the app is great not loads of wires to faff around with uh, connects to all the streaming services it's not locked down into particular ones so yeah what were your i've got a couple of facts i'm going to come back to but yeah what were your first experiences of sonos um have either of you got products um already obviously no alan's got one <laughs> just received it right <laughs> <laughs> um actually i think i learned about sonos around 2000 and let's say around 10 ish Mm -hmm. Because at that point, when I visited their website, there was this amplifier was their main product. And I had basically zero speakers in my home. I was still living right. with my parents. I just had my computer and that was my speaker. Uh, or probably I even had those. You remember those like outside speakers you would have yeah. connected to your desktop computer? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was looking at this amplifier. and I was just in love with the idea of like using it in different rooms and stuff. But I didn't need it. Um, so I remember it from back then. And then when I moved to Berlin, I inherited it. So when I moved into an apartment, it was part of the, you know, like a package of the bought furniture. Because when people live out, they sometimes force you to basically buy all the furniture. Mm. And I was forced into buying a Sonos Play Bar, I believe it's the name. Uh, force, but I was happy to do it and it's been one of the best experiences in terms of the audio because I really love listening to 
to audio in the background, especially like in the living room. And it was just a very seamless experience. And that kind of forced me into buying a uh, streaming service as well. You know, that not forced me, but it, I, for the first time it made a lot of sense. And that was back in 2015, 16. And it just made a lot of sense to buy a streaming service um, and be subscribed to it because then you could really unlock the power of Sonos. Uh, because otherwise, just listening to like internet radios and stuff that doesn't really bring that much value. Yeah, so from there, then I started also thinking about buying, you know, this because it's modular. Then mm. I said, okay, I'm gonna also buy the one. So this is Sonos One, like a standalone small speaker. And that's the one we have for, well, my office at the moment and also when we travel. So if we go for a couple of weeks to the seaside and so on, we have this instead of those like Bluetooth speakers. Mm. Um, so yeah, I relatively big fan, enjoy the products. There are some tech issues, especially if you have a couple of Wi-Fi's within the apartment because of the mm. space. That becomes a hassle, but apart from that, yeah, it's. I'm a fan. Let's leave nice. it at that. <laughs> Same. I let Franz. Are you, are you uh, on board yet? Are you? Uh, I've, Sonos I've never owned a Sonos myself, so I have a regular Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> but I remember when we moved offices with my company. Must have been like 2016. I was actually setting up our Sonos in the new um, office mm. and that was crazy. Do you remember this true play feature where you move around the flat and then it uses the microphone of the um, of your phone yeah. to basically measure where you are and how the echo and, and audio quality of your room are and it adjusts the whole system? Like it's so smooth. And at the same time, it makes you feel like you are an audio technician. Like that, that's that's a crazy combination. Like it seems like you're doing something super complicated, but it's actually super easy. And that's what actually stuck with me since then, which must have been like, I don't know, seven. Yeah, 2015 years. they launched it. You've already done one of my quiz questions. So uh, <laughs> one point Sorry to France. That. 2015, yeah, the true play thing, which I got to be honest, like very, very clever, but I had a nightmare setting up my second speaker where it just kept on not getting on with that part of the process. And I was, if you'd seen, if there's someone had been filming me walking around my kitchen like a lunatic with this phone kind of, so for people who aren't familiar, um, yeah, you basically, it only works on Apple devices and you basically have to, um, when you're setting up the Sonos, you take your iPad or your iPhone and you move around the space that you're in and it plays this like weird sound. I don't think it needs the sound, but it does it as part of the effect and basically kind of maps out wherever the speaker is to give you the best acoustics. And you're right. You feel like you're somehow involved. A little bit like the Ikea effect, maybe. Maybe that might be a stretch of like you're involved in the setup and uh, and that's kind of neat. Um, but yeah, very clever bit of um technology and if you've ever listened to your sonos with or without doing that you really notice the difference like that is a killer feature i think that you just i, I don't know how much it's done in hi-fi land but um yeah i the first time i discovered sonos was co-working space hmm. so not the one that i'm in uh, got my office in now but another one that had them and the people who worked there were just like constantly playing around with a shared playlist and the sound was sick and i was like 
checked out the that they were Sonos. So I've got the one that's called the Beam, which is like the sound yeah. bar for your TV, because my TV is old and like the sound is woeful, um, and it's incredible. But I use that all the time for music and great for film. And then I've got one in the kitchen because I can't do the washing up or cleaning without some tunes on. So mm. that was where the second one had to go. Um, so interesting. Yeah, so we've all experienced uh, it in in a few ways. Franz needs needs to you know pull the trigger on a <laughs> on a on a beam or something. So Franz, um, no Lululemon, no Sonos. Like you're the outsider. <laughs> I'm the anti-consumerist. I love it. At least one of us hasn't you know been drinking the Kool Aid with all these brands. Like Franz can be he's the real one uh, amongst us. It's objective. Objective. Um, <laughs> So got a couple of quick facts, which would be interesting to get your thoughts on before we move into the sort of brand and business strategy piece with Franz. I was, one of these I wasn't surprised with, one of them I really was, which is so the average, average active product life of a Sonos speaker. Do you want to hazard a guess? How many years is it in active use, uh, the average product, when someone buys it? Because it gets broken or just because like... They might give up on it or it, it breaks or they you know, stop using it for any reason. It might actually still work, but someone yeah. stops using it. Should we both guess or just one? Yeah, both of you can guess. I'm going to go with my magic number seven years. Franz? Three. Three, interesting. Uh, it is seven years. Um, well done, Alan. <gasps> yes. It wasn't, this, this is, this <laughs> is the <long>. quiz. <laughs> the quiz before the quiz. But that apparently is the higher than any competitors in the space. It um, is really long. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, I think I'm getting on for like three or four years with my beam, but I can quite believe it. I like, I've seen them in these co-working spaces for like what feels like nearly ten years or so, and still yeah. working well. So I mean, the reason I said seven is because I see so many old ones. Like it's not uncommon to see a really old-looking Sonos in a co-working space or mm. in a shop even, mm. or even in someone's home. And it still looks good, it still looks yeah. sleek, and still works well. Mm. Um, which is that the case with other, I don't know, bows and stuff, you always have this feeling of upgrading. Mm. And I think that is critical to the business strategy, which I'm sure Franz will touch on in a bit. Um, the other fact... Uh, how many speakers does the average Sonos customer have in their home? <laughs> this, this blew my mind. I think both of us had found this in the research. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we got the same number. <laughs> Go on, Alan. I actually didn't see the exact numbers, so this is going to be a guess, but I saw that roughly 60% of Sonos users have more than one. Mm -hmm. So I'll go with 3.2. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, three again. Three it is three. Three <laughs> products. I mean, yeah. that's, that's crazy. crazy. That yeah. is crazy. And repurchase has been like such a powerful flywheel for them, right? Yeah. And that's just incredible. You know, then I'm sure there are many people just outside of that average who have double figures and will keep advocating for it. Yeah. Mm. Um, I could quite easily see myself getting a couple more over the following years but yeah what uh what a business if you have got that kind of loyalty and that kind of re repurchasing at such a premium price yeah anyway that's it for our intro and a couple of a couple of facts and i'm sure franz is going to kind of dive deeper into some of the reasons that mm. they're able to do that the nice thing is that again 
you have already brought up some of the decisive factors or let's say factors that does um, that do put Sonos in a very unique position. So that's again the strategy game, right? So but we before, know what we're talking about. Before you Sorry. go there, I have one more fun fact. <laughs> okay. Do it. So their brand name, right? Sonos. Mm. Did you notice that it's palindrome? Mm. So it's turning around, it, right? If you read it from the front or the back, it's the same. It's like, I don't know, noon or madam or kayak. Um, so Sonos is a palindrome and it's a cool story i think for a company that deals with sound to have a brand name that also has a nice sound design to it um so it it i think it's also a very functional idea because let me show you if basically you don't know how to place your speaker it reads the same from mm. this side or if you just turn it around it still reads the same it's sonos uh, maybe yeah. my my camera is inverted but basically that's a really cool i it's think nice touch. yeah nice touch it's a really cool mm. touch and i dug a little bit deeper to see is there some kind of meaning to the name and like what does sonos mean and company didn't come up with a an official explanation but among the fans on reddit of course. Found <laughs> the, of course there's a full-blown discussion around this of course uh the 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 theory that has the most uh proponents is the fact that it's sonos means basically sound operating system so the first three words mm. s-o-n is kind of the sound and then o-s and the end is operating system so it's the sound operating system so I would subscribe to this theory. It sounds pretty nice. And it, really, <laughs> it sounds neat. <laughs> yeah, it's like a nice branding story around this whole thing. Because I think the first name the company has for the first years was really boring. It was, I think, named by a certain beach close to their office. But the Sonos is really like, it's global. It's easy to pronounce. It's easy to write. It's palindrome. And also the way they designed the logo, it just, it's really smart. It works however you turn your speaker around. It does. I Just one last thing on that, actually, was I remember when I first saw the brand, this is a bit of a confession uh, from my, my brand's naivety when I first discovered them. I thought it had something to do with Sony <laughs> because it sort of, it, the typeface was similar and Sonos. I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's like a sub-brand. Obviously, I realize now it's completely wrong. Um, but actually, mm. the design language was kind of similar as well. So... Yeah, obviously I realize now competing, but not mm. not the same. But um, yeah, and they've they've had a few little tweaks to the brand over the years, but they haven't had to do much with it. it still looks really classy and um, premium. Yeah, especially with new colors and stuff. It's really mm. interesting. Yeah, France. sorry for jumping in, France. <laughs> now I'll take it over. <laughs> you ready for strategy talk? Oh yes. Yeah. Okay, so we all know the basics, right? We know that. Sonos is targeting music enthusiasts, tech enthusiasts, and being placed in this more premium um, group of uh, companies and products. They focus on high quality engineering, uh, perfect audio quality, and this great user experience of uh, starting with the boxing, the setup, and then the usage um, during the uh, yeah during the seven years what we have now learned. <laughs> well. Now we're getting to what 
has Sonos done to make them different from others, which is what strategy is about, right? And we're going to do a, it's not a guessing game, uh, just a synthesizing game. So no, I'm going to give you the first one, but you then contribute to the other ones because most of them have already been mentioned. Okay. So the first one wasn't really mentioned. It was, but I think it still needs to be established as the base because what Sonos did as the first company ever was not to do wireless speakers, but to do um, multi, multi-room audio. Mm. So that was really the first thing that Sonos um, started being able to play the same music in different rooms or different music in different rooms, still um, working on the exact same system and making huge effort in making this perfect from a technical perspective, right? So perfecting the synchronization, the li- uh, reliability, the ease of use, the setup, um, and this being completely different from having perfect standalone speakers, right? Just controlling your um, controlling your system con- uh, in one place or in one room, but realizing music is actually like in a mall. Um, it should also be in your home that you have an experience throughout rooms, throughout your home. Mm. So that was basically Sonos pioneering this. Um, yeah, that's point number one. Now um, I give you the name. I have again a little name game for you um, and you give me what I mean. So the I call this move the early adoption move. So what is the game now? So you give us a name and then we should guess um, what exactly? The strategic activity or the strategic move that um, they that is actually behind that. Okay. So the early adopter move. So explaining this, how did they make it possible to win or um, to win over these music music enthusiasts in the very beginning to try out Sonos right. ecosystem? Hmm. Good one. So the first one is called early adopter move. Yeah, and to, um, Tom mentioned it actually. Could it be the the fact it was a it was you could connect existing hardware, yeah. but get that same effect. Exactly. So imagine you are a music enthusiast. You're not starting out as a music enthusiast. You are a music enthusiast, and you have awesome speakers or an awesome deck. And now somebody comes and says, "Hey, we have wireless. Please throw out everything <laughs> and now use my system." So that's not a great adoption strategy, right? What they mm. did instead was investing in products that let actual music enthusiasts use their standalone feature which is connecting things throughout your flat so they had this connect amp thing that Mm. lets connect this existing wired speaker with an audio system from sonos but they also did it the other way around so like uh if you tom still had your old stereo and you wanted to upgrade your um your speakers you could upgrade it with sonos but you could still use your old stereo um, to basically do the music input and then send it through the Sonos port to um, the Sonos audio systems. That's mm-hmm. interesting, isn't it? You know, kind of going after that market, I wonder if it was by association, by, by people in that space who had spent thousands and thousands of pounds on audio um, embracing a brand like Sonos to get, to get that, that feature by association, it's then considered like a premium audio file thing. Um, I don't know because it was a, it was a while ago yeah. uh, that that was happening. But yeah, really interesting. If that was yeah was a kind of strategic play. 
Yeah, very much so. And here we can see an example of a newcomer and the advantage it has over someone that's already in the space. I don't know, Bose, Bang & Olufsen and other companies, which were actually designing these, you know, high-end speakers. And they yeah. were not in, interested in like also working well with other speakers. They were mostly focused on like, we just want to make the best speaker, full stop. And there's a newcomer who says, I actually don't care. I just want to be successful. So I will work well. I will be compatible with all the speakers out there. And in a certain stage that makes sense, which is the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, it's not the most powerful and also definitely not the most sold um, product anymore, but it was one of the products that made Sonos successful in the, yeah. in the early days, right? Just getting into households um, and then being able to, um, yeah, level up from there. Next one, the mass adoption move. Actually, this was Alan um, mentioning it. I was. I mean, what comes to mind is a couple of things. One is uh, Wi-Fi becoming more widespread. And second is uh, phones becoming more widespread. And what's on phones? Uh, streaming devices, uh, streaming uh, services. Yeah. Yep. Just one thing I want to say about this is like, in, if we think, if we put ourselves back into 2002, Wi-Fi was not what is today. You had to be really forward-looking to see, like, we will create a, as you said, France, multi-room audio system that is wireless. It wasn't an yeah. obvious thing because Wi-Fi was not there. Then phones were not there. Like, again, iPhone came out in 2007, so it was five years before that. So it was really a forward-thinking bunch that yeah. thought about Sonos. Yeah, because yeah, how could you imagine setting up, easily setting up a wireless system like that without an app? I guess you would have had to do it on desktop or something. I don't know. I can't even imagine now a world where I'd be setting up connected devices without a, a really neat app, right? Mm. Um, yeah, it's wild. They were yeah. thinking that far. So dropping in one more fun fact. Uh, Sonos was actually founded to be a wireless technology so they actually wanted to have a new wireless technology before wow. they pivoted to wireless audio. Mm, interesting. Mm. I didn't want to bring it up, but now that you said um, wireless wasn't really where it is right now, yeah. that's totally on point, right? Because first they thought we need to first create a new wireless technology mm. um, before they realized to uh, actually, or before they decided to actually go into wireless audio. Mm. So mm. On this topic, uh, there is a story that one of the founders shared that in one of the early pitches when they were trying to raise money, uh, one of the investors, the way investors sometimes test this product is like, let me just use it. So the investor basically took the the device, which was meant to, um, to control the Sonos, and he went out to the parking lot, which was 30 meters away, from the conference room and he was still able to play with the Sonos and that's when they decided to invest. Mm. Yeah, that magic moment with, mm. with the product, right? Yeah. Cool. Nice one. Bringing us back to strategy, strategic activities and strategy. Yes. Yeah, mass adoption move was the next one. Um, Sonos was actually the first company to integrate music streaming services um, into their own app. 
so having Spotify, Apple Music, then later Amazon Music um, within your app so that you basically don't have to switch between apps, but you can browse, search, play music from one app. And that was actually, um, yeah, one of the decisive moves also to make this Sonos app ecosystem so strong that you wouldn't have to leave it, right? So you have not only a Sonos speaker, but you also have a Sonos app and this Sonos app helps you from setup to everything um, while using. And at this point in time, it was also a very strong uh, partner for um, for these music streaming platforms, right? As you said, Alan, when you have a Sonos, uh, but you're not having a music streaming, then you might want to think about it. Yeah. Uh, so also these companies were very happy to partner with them. And that was a, yeah, a big move to, um, to reach the, the beer adoption. Do you see the emerging pattern? First multi-room uh, audio system, first wireless, first, how should we call that? Streaming service integration. So there have been a lot of firsts in the story of Sonos. And maybe you'll touch upon even more fronts, but that's an interesting one. Yeah, it's true. And it's actually the last first because the next or the last thing that I have is not really something that is a complete distinguishing factor, but just something that is very well executed by Sonos, which is this modularity of their product line. So exactly what you said, Tom, adopting something that you usually only have for software businesses and not so much for hardware businesses also in the hardware business you want to win over one customer but then it's not over for you like you sell a car and then it's done but you actually have the opportunity to upsell and cross sell and increase the lifetime value of your users and not just wait until your speaker is broken and they might buy the next one also from you or maybe from somebody else but really having this system of a very now not super cheap, but at least cheaper gateway speakers that mm -hmm. you can just try out and maybe win over loyal customers. A really great value proposition in terms of one speaker works great, but two speakers work more than double as good than that. So you might want to start already with two. Um, and just this opportunity of just upgrading with every single paycheck or whatever you get, um, adding a subwoofer, adding a, um, adding a soundboard to your TV, just this very seamless way of integrating additional pieces to your system, um, adding it to your bathroom or to another room. So that's just not something that Sonos does as the standalone, also not something that Sonos did as a first company, but this ecosystem that they have created and this ease of setup that they have created uh, just makes it, an, I would still say, a factor that makes Sonos so um so successful yeah presumably completely. let's see what it, if it's see. actually successful <laughs> well i guess um, we will see won't we? But, but we do definitely see it in this number that you ask in the quiz right an mm. average of three sonos products um per household 17 percent, and i only have like 2018 numbers i think 17 percent of users have five or more that's yeah so that's big mm. yep. It's huge. It is. And, you know, I think the, the interesting thing, the distinction here, you could think, you know, you said about getting a paycheck, upgrading, getting, getting a new bit of hardware. I think the important 
slight difference between other bits of technology. If you think about like iPhone upgrading every year, and there is there are people who want to upgrade all the time because of the new features. I don't think that is so much a thing with Sonos. Like the product lines stay pretty consistent. You know, the names stay the same. Um, most of the new features can't you get through uh, app upgrades and stuff. It's not this kind of business model where it's forcing you to upgrade constantly. Like I'm not going to change my beam every couple of years, but I might augment it um, and I might keep those for a while and I'll keep building out. And then in seven years time, I might replace the soundbar. And then four years later, I might replace the secondary speakers. But there isn't this kind of waste or like constant pressure to upgrade the existing hardware, which I think is interesting and very different to a lot of other um, technology purchases. Um, I can see myself adding, you mentioned friends, they've got well, like the Rome, which is like $130, $40 maybe, mm. which is a great kind of gateway product. I could have one of those for the garden, you know, and I was moved from the garden through to the front room where I've got the beam and stuff like that. Very clever. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's what I have for uh, distinguishing factors and strategic moves that set um, Sonos apart from the competition, which leads me to the next point that I have, which is competition. Mm -hmm. um, are you ready again for a guessing game? <laughs> you know, we love guessing games. Yeah. Especially Go if it involves some numbers. But even <laughs> if it doesn't, it's fine. No, it doesn't involve numbers, but it it's involves fun. companies. So I cool. say the name of the group that I gave it, mm. and then you give company names, right? Mm. That's it. Okay. Competitors of Sonos. They're traditionals. Traditionals. I mean, two things come to mind, but does this traditionals have an adjective or is it just traditionals? Traditional. Okay. I'm going to guess this is other companies that traditionally only do audio, Bose, Bang, exactly. Olufsen, and so on. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's one strong competition because they are competing with the quality of sound, right? So you, we have learned now that Sonos has different levels of, of value propositions, right? And one of these is great audio first-class audio, and this is definitely Bose and Bang & Olufsen some that they compete with here. The next one is the We Do Everything to Entertain You group. Oh, yeah. Google, Apple, Samsung, Sony. Mm, yeah, getting closer. Okay, uh, Samsung, Sony. <laughs> yeah. Samsung, Sony, LG. Hmm. Yeah. So basically, electronics companies that do... TVs, what else? Well, everything that's in your living room. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. So they, what are they competing on? Definitely value, right? So they have a huge product range. Um, they are maybe more affordable. They're maybe not as strong in the, um, when it comes to perception. Obviously they do have uh, premium products, but they are more of a mass um let's say mass focused approach yeah they just do more product categories exactly They're recognizable safe brands as well right yeah, if you're that's not true. gonna you don't risk it you know you're spending in that middle area then yeah hmm. cool the youngest group the smart speakers google 
Um, Goo Apple, I guess Amazon might be in the mix yeah, there. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Amazon has 55% market share of smart speakers. Smart speakers means you can control your speaker by with voice controls and you can enter different uh, parts of the internet, maybe also different accounts. So this is definition of smart speaker and Amazon crushed this market. Mm-hmm. Um, they're actually going down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So they used to have over 70%, but now they're at like 50, 55% in the smart speaker market, right? Not, I'm not talking about the home entertainment, audio, home audio, only smart speaker. And that's actually a squeeze for Sonos, right? So before they were competing with more traditional brands. So yeah. they had innovation upside. Then they were, so now traditional Bang & Olufsen and Bose. So here they had a little bit of this geek upside, innovation upside, wireless upside. Then the next one was uh, the we do everything to t- entertain you. Obviously, there is a differentiation factor here because you are the sound company and the wireless sound company and you're not TV and sound company. Mm. But then now with smart speakers, Amazon, Apple, Google entering the space, ooh, squeezing from the other side for, uh, mm-hmm. for Sonos. And Sonos doesn't do really good in this market of smart, spe- smart speakers. Maybe Alan, you'll talk a little bit more about that. No, you can go deeper into that, but four-ish percent, four percent. Yeah, like wow. three, three, seven, four, four, something about the like depending on yeah. the year you look at. Yeah, that's not great, um, especially because you know that these companies like Amazon, Google, Apple are some of the best companies in the world when it comes to profitability. So if they really wanted to get you out of the market, they could get you completely out of the market. Mm. Especially if you're not doing that well financially, just because they have less pressure to make this super profitable. Yeah. Yeah, because they rely on, like, I guess, Google and Amazon's technology being embedded, right? And they could pull the the rug anytime from Sonos. Which is a great segue for the not-so-obvious group of competitors. We mentioned them already as the biggest partners. Uh, streaming service providers? Yeah, exactly. Like, are they already competitors or potential competitors? Um, I would say they are still big partners, but they are potential competitors now. Yeah. Um, because at the moment, Sonos integrates Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music, YouTube, and so on into their app. And users can control these services through the Sonos app. And the same is true for the voice control of Alexa and the Google Assistant. But yeah, that looks like a nice partnership on the first side until business interests of the streaming platform uh, providers change, right? Mm. So maybe what you want to do is increase the usage of your app as Spotify because you need people to have a look at um, visual ads because you need to uh, monetize your business better. Are you still going to let... Sonos run everything in their app. Mm. Let's Interesting. see. Right. And next one is what if exclusivity is now a factor? What if you as Amazon want to win this game? Maybe you're now only letting Amazon um, products run on Amazon hardware, like yeah. Apple is doing forever with the iOS, right? This is a strategy that's not the first one in this space. So it's not like 
these platforms aren't always open. It's not about, it's not always the case that you have a hardware and it integrates with every streaming platform provider. There is a very strong, um, a very strong example where Apple just doesn't allow anybody else to integrate with their product and they only have these proprietary versions. So if that changes, Sonos uses a huge upside in their, um, in their value proposition, right? So yeah. this ease of use and this whole app experience of Sonos doesn't get as smooth or isn't as smooth anymore. Yeah, that's a huge threat. The way to think about it um, is also through analogy. Like this story reminds me a little bit of the Netflix story. So Netflix in the beginning was a cool up and coming startup, but then it when it started crushing everything and when others, other companies have seen the results, oh, Netflix is super profitable, it's growing like crazy. Why would we license our content to them? So then the HBO, Disney and others were like, hmm, maybe we should do our own, first of all, our own um, streaming service. Well, not streaming service. How is this called? Is it also streaming service? These Netflix yeah, is, type yeah. of... It is, right? Yeah. Video streaming. Um, yeah, video streaming, exactly. So let's also do our own. And then what they did was basically say, hey, our most important movies are just going to be exclusive on our platform. We will still license a few things to Netflix, but not everything. So one scenario for, for Sonos is also maybe Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon Music won't all of a sudden say, hey, we want to go off your platform. But they may say, actually, Sonos, you can't play uh, podcasts through Spotify because we have signed the contract with Joe Rogan and we want to make sure we can monetize this better and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So it could content. be a hybrid, you know? So mm -hmm. it's not like binary. So these streaming services go completely off. First step, maybe we will just take certain content off of your yeah. uh, experience. And that's a slippery slope. Once you get there, you should be really concerned as a brand. Mm. Yeah, I have to say it was one of the reasons I went for Sonos over any of the other um, options was, you know, it, it on the surface looks like it's open, right? Like it has the most streaming services. I didn't yeah. want to be locked into the Apple product looked really interesting, but so many problems with I, I'm, I'm a Spotify user have been for years so I didn't want something that was restricted there but yeah <laughs> if they if that suddenly changed that I, I would I would have a, an issue there mm. but also interesting to your performer uh, your previous point which I think which is around Spotify could develop their own hardware right like really tightly integrated at the moment Sonos is still a middle partner in there um, yeah you'd imagine I mean Spotify have done this, right? They, they built the car thing, which they don't make anymore, but they've had a little foray into into hardware. And if something was really tightly integrated, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. But I'll tell you later why probably they won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the spoiler. I was also thinking about, should I bring this up now? That maybe not. <laughs> but it's a nice segue to... Um, your part, Alan, right? Well, hold that thought because it's little segue first before we get into the numbers. Little brain cleanser before okay. we before we get into the numbers is a bit of a Sonos 
quiz, official quiz. Oh, we've nice. asked a few questions as we go. Mm. Um, we've got a few bits. We, one of them we've already answered, so um, we'll uh, we'll skip over that one, and then we will get into Alan's numbers. So, question one, and I'm going to alternate between who I ask for an answer here. These, these are all multiple choice. Um, Question one, what controversial decision in 2019 led to significant customer backlash against Sonos, prompting the company to quickly revise its policy? Was it A, increasing the prices of its flagship products? B, announcing the discontinuation of support for some older models? C, initiating a recycle mode that would effectively brick older devices? Or D, restricting the use of third-party music streaming services on Sonos speakers? A, B, C, or D? Please ask France. <laughs> France, any thoughts? I can't believe they would have done D. I think it's... was What was the restricting or discontinuing support for older models? Uh, so the... Um, C was initiating a recycle mode that would effectively brick, which means kind of like make mm -hmm. them useless. Um, older devices traded in for a discount on new purchases. Um, or B, announcing the discontinuation of support for some older speaker models. Mm -hmm. I take B. Yeah, me too. That's a classic. That actually came a couple of years later. Um, in 2019, it was C. It was this recycle mode. So basically, if you wanted to get a discount on a new bit of hardware, uh, you, they gave a really high discount. I think it was like 30 or 40% if you would kind of give up your old hardware. So basically, you'd go, yeah, I'm happy, willing to sacrifice this hardware. No one can use it. I'm going to brick it. Um, mm in exchange for a discount on that new purchase. And it got a massive backlash, loads of criticism. Because, um, yeah, after like 21 days, it would disable all the device's functionality. Um, many people saw it as like really wasteful, um, particularly given the quality of the products, right? They have a lot of longevity. So just going, basically, this is absolutely useless now. Mm. Uh, so yeah, they ended up not following through with that strategy. It's an interesting example of business versus design rationale because from business side, they obviously wanted to do it to not need to invest in supporting their old hardware anymore, also making more people buy the new one. And from the design side, they have built a really durable product and now they're paying for it on their business yeah. side. So it's one <laughs> of those like conundrums. Yeah, it's a real catch twenty two, isn't it? Yes. They've got yeah, such longevity. And so you need now to build a really good product but not too good. <laughs> yeah, and, and now you can get like a really decent um if you've already got a product, you get a really decent discount on follow up products. So yeah, more sustainable. Um so question two. Uh, which company did Sonos start partnering with to create furniture with built in speakers in the early twenty twenties? Was it A IKEA, B Herman a. Miller? It's A. <laughs> <laughs> it was a uh, it was so hard to think of other <laughs> companies that might be legitimate partners but yeah um under the symphonic symphonisk brand it sorry mm. swedish people who listen to this i've just butchered your language um so yeah a table lamp speaker and a bookshelf speaker and i have the bookshelf speaker in my kitchen it's um it's really interesting price point so it's like half the price i guess of a standard sonos unit mm -hmm. um the design is not quite as slick the sound is not quite as good but it connects 
and it, in a kitchen it's perfect like I don't need incredible audio in that scenario so for me I was like willing to take the hit on those two factors um, but it's part of the ecosystem still that's an interesting also business view to when we partner how do we make sure that this is not cannibalizing our main product uh, another analogy would be you know when you go into a store and then this store has its own I think it's called trade brands Hmm. So like, I don't know, you're going to Walmart and there's a Walmart milk. There's the same company that's selling their own milk. They're also selling the Walmart milk. So you need to find ways for the partnering product to still feel different. Hmm. So I think someone else in this way just went with lower quality, it sounds like, um, which is the same thing that food brands do, or maybe different packaging or less premium packaging and so on. So there's different ways to do it. But from the business side, there is this urge to grow and that's why the companies mm. do it yeah and it's you know it's an interesting way of getting that product into people's homes with a better price point um to franz's point earlier around the kind of all different modalities that they have with the product you can totally imagine someone might that might be the gateway for some people for me it was a cheaper way of getting other rooms on outside of where i do most of my listening sort of into the ecosystem um so yeah really interesting uh, partnership um which company, next question, did Sonos sue in 2020 alleging patent infringements? Was it A, Amazon, B, Google, C, Apple, or D, Bose? I'm going to let Alan go first this time. Yeah, I think it's B, and it just came out this week that they won, I think. Correct, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, filed that lawsuit alleging they'd infringed on five of their patents. It was settled last week. Um, Sonos was awarded $32.5 million in damages. Um, which worked out to the equivalent of $2.30 for each of the 14 million devices they'd sold that they thought infringed on that, on that yeah. patent. That doesn't sound fair. Doesn't, doesn't, does it? I mean, Google have argued these were um, like minor underused features of the product. Um, okay. I think they are still going to um, challenge the, the ruling. Um, but yeah. Yeah, the number looks low though. It does look low, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, probably cost them far more than that than legal, legal mm. fees. Final question, because one of the questions we already answered. Um, do, 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 do. In 2019, Sonos acquired a French company called Snips. What technology did Snips specialize in? Was it A, Wi-Fi technology, B, voice assist AI, C, speaker hardware, or D, Bluetooth technology? B. Correct. So yeah, specializing on device voice assistance. Um, so the interesting bit with that acquisition is a lot of this voice assistant technology is all about, um, you know, the sort of machine learning aspect to it. It's all going into the cloud and whatnot. But the, and I like the sound of this because I turn off voice assistants generally, mm-hmm. not a fan. Um, but this one, none of the voice data is sent up to the cloud. So it's a big privacy play as well. Um, it all remains on your like local network, so you get a lot of the convenience without the perceived privacy issues, um, mm. which is another reason I didn't go for like a Google or an Apple or a, um, uh, Amazon device. I did actually. Sonos. I didn't know that. You didn't know what? Sorry. I didn't know the technology difference and that Sonos mm. actually went into this direction. Um, I do think it's smart. Yeah, like this is one, 
This is the only reason I returned my Echo dot Amazon Echo dot. So I bought it, played with it, and then started reading uh, about the privacy and how they're dealing with uh, just storing and downloading and yeah, managing your audio. And just like, nope, don't want to, yeah. don't want to risk Same. that. Signing off out. Yeah, I gave away. I got free, ironically, through Spotify. They were giving away free um, Google, whatever the little speaker's mm. called. And I was like, ah, I'll take a free one of those, have a play with it. And yeah, same thing. The quality wasn't great. And all of the, I was giving up so much potential privacy for this little free speaker. I was like, no, not in yeah. my home. Um, so it could be a really interesting positioning piece for them, right? Of like, if you care about privacy and you want this convenience, this great technology, we're the people to help you with that. Um, if they don't seem to be pushing hard on that right now, but I can imagine that being a really interesting play, yeah. um, play for them. Yeah, I think in general, like the recurring theme with all of these decisions they make is really like how can we be different from others, and that's generally a really interesting strategy. Just not like what can we copy from others that's working, but like what do others do that doesn't seem to make sense from the user perspective and business perspective, and that's another one of those. Mm. moves definitely so, so yeah good quizzing you've uh, yes. you, you all got some of the answers to those so uh little uh little cleanser before we get into deep into the numbers numbers um, yes alan over to you so let's see if you will do as well with the numbers because you know what time it is it's time for the guesstimates <laughs> who is larger so uh, as last time, we will play uh, just to, I will compare Sonos to three companies and you'll tell me if in terms of the revenue, which is bigger, Sonos or that other company? Ready mm -hmm. to play the game? Ready. Yeah. Okay, so who is bigger, Sonos or Ferrari? Sonos. I was going to say Sonos. Okay. No, actually Ferrari. <laughs> Ferrari. Really? Yeah. Ferrari has $5 billion in yearly revenue as of 2022. Okay. Before I, I'm not going to reveal the number of Sonos yet. So just for you to know. Okay. So Ferrari is... So we're getting on revenue. Revenue is our, our metric that we're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's revenue. On. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. So second one. Sonos or GoPro? That's a good one, right? That's I knew really this. Good. This is gonna be a hard one. <laughs> That's good. I'll go, I, I'm gonna go GoPro just just to, yeah. I go Sonos. Okay, it is Sonos. It's quite a quite a big bigger, yeah, quite much bigger. So GoPro is seven hundred million in revenue in yearly revenue. It used to be even more, but one of the common themes I have found in this financial research is for a lot of these electronics there has been a downturn. Uh, GoPro and Sonos included. So what about Oculus VR? So is Sonos or Oculus VR a company with probably one of the biggest investments ever? Which one has more revenue? Who goes first? As you wish. I'm happy to go Sonos. I'm going to go Sonos on this okay. one. I also think it's Sonos. Yeah, unfortunately, no, it's Oculus VR, but it's just really? slightly. Yes. Wow. So Oculus VR has 2.1 billion in yearly revenue in 2022. Uh, all of these numbers are US dollars. And Sonos has 1.7 billion 
in wow. the yearly revenue. Um, a little okay. bit. So for Ferrari, couldn't couldn't have found it out. I just yeah. thought, okay, market is smaller for luxury cars, but maybe the size of one Price purchase is, is the mm. one that <laughs> that then brings it to a higher uh, revenue number. For GoPro, it was for me kind of straightforward because market for filming, action filming might be smaller than the market for I have a flat and want music. Mm. But for Oculus Rift, I thought this must be smaller because they are similar in price, right? Oculus Rift is not super expensive. And then I imagined VR, AR technology to have a smaller market than speakers. Mm. It could also be the fact that Facebook has just, you know, pushed this to the, as far as you can push a technology that's not mm. ready yet. Sorry for saying this, but if you disagree, we <laughs> still can makes you dizzy. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's the only reason this is uh, higher than Sonos. Yeah. But yeah, so Sonos is 1.7 billion in revenue US dollars, which is four times as, as smaller than Lululemon, which we had last time. And something I would have never guessed if you asked me. Same here. So if you wake up. If you wake me up at 3 a.m. in the morning and ask me, is Sonos bigger than Lululemon? I'm like, yeah, for sure, man. Uh, but no. And the difference is even bigger in market cap, right? Have you also <laughs> compared the market cap? <laughs> yes, let's talk. So about I was like, okay, cap. revenue is weird, weirdly different. But when you look at market cap, it's like blowing your head, blowing your mind. Yeah, yeah. You want to share the numbers, Franz? Because I only, I only looked up a few, but it sounds like you did more. Um, so market cap for Lululemon. So just comparing again, revenue for Lululemon, 8 billion and revenue for Bose, 1.7 billion. Bose or Sonos? Ah, sorry, Sonos. Yeah. Then market cap for Lululemon, 43 billion and mm -hmm. market cap for Sonos, 1.8. Yeah. So it's 1.8 versus one. <laughs> 43. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But Are we ever going to be as surprised by... Uh, company's numbers than Lululemon. I think we picked a real interesting outlier there as far as yeah. it just took us all by surprise, right? Yeah, yeah. That'll be our forever question is, but are they, how do they compare to Lululemon? We can yeah. call it the Lululemon index. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Instead of the big <laughs> How surprised index? are you? <laughs> no, but I'm as surprised about Sonos's market cap as I was about Lululemon's mm. revenue yeah. because you don't see a lot of I mean, you don't see often technology companies having um, revenue to market cap one to one. Usually it's yep. just a multiple, like, I don't know, five, 10 X. Uh, and this is just yeah one to one, basically. But reason it's one to one, it's also because of their profitability. But I'll get to this in a bit. First, just to compare Sonos with other competitors in terms of the revenue. So um, Bose is actually... In terms of these, I think you call them traditional players front. Mm. It is the biggest player in the traditional sense, uh, even though it's a private company. And when a company is private, it means it doesn't disclose all of their financial data. So it's not as easy to found, find how much revenue they're making. But uh, the latest data based on some triangulating other stuff is $3 billion in revenue for both. And what do you think Bang & Olufsen does Less or more in revenue compared to Sonos? Less, I reckon. 
much less. Yeah, I was quite surprised. Only 400 million in revenue. Yeah, that's a big, big delta, big difference here. I was expecting these to be on par. Um, but the interesting thing is if you look into their financials, all of them have seen a decline, not in 2020 when the COVID hit, but now like 20, from 2021 to 2022. Maybe people spend less time in their homes, so that has an effect. Mm. Maybe it's also um, people buying more headphones, not speakers, and so on. Um, so another thing that you always want to have a look at with hardware companies is something called the gross margin. So basically, the two typical margins you have a look at is gross margin and the profit, the net margin. Uh, just a quick side uh, lesson. So gross margin, very, very simply speaking, is how profitable your product or service is. And then the net profit margin is how profitable your company is. So it means when you sell a product and you deduct all the costs associated with directly with making and selling the product is the gross margin. And then when you add all the other things, which is um, marketing, it's um, factory, like floor and all the things like, let's call it admin costs, then you get the net margin. Um, so yeah, gross margin is pretty healthy in this space. It's very, very healthy, actually. It's around 40 to 45%, which is pretty good compared to other uh, hardware products where it can be even 30 or 20%. Um, but unfortunately, the net margin or the data, I was able to find and compare something called EBITDA margin. And maybe let's not go into today what EBITDA margin is, but happy to do so if you want me to do so, Tom. But uh, <laughs> uh, let's just equate net margin, EBITDA margin for a moment. Um, and uh, Sonos and Bang & Olufsen, both because they're pro public companies, I could find it for them. It's... It, ha it was 10% last year and it's roughly 1% uh, this year. So last year being 2021 and this year being 2022. So a huge decline. And you remember when I said why maybe Spotify, why maybe Amazon and Google won't go into this space? Maybe it's because of that. So something seems to be off with these numbers. Um, yeah, that's not the best result. And that's why maybe even the market cap is as low for Sonos as uh, it is. Um, on the same topic, maybe why I'm comparing Sonos to Bank and Olufsen and Bose and not to Samsung, Sony and others is because I wanna compare apples to apples and it's hard to take a company like Samsung and understand what percentage of their revenue comes just from speakers. Yeah. Because when you go and look at these big public companies like Samsung, Sony, LG, you get a big fat number like, oh, we make 100 billion in a year. And then you don't know how what percentage actually comes from speakers. There is a way to navigate that. For example, I could find for Sony a good estimate that this number is actually around three to four billion because there is in their annual report, there is a line that says electronic division and it generates 78 billion revenue. And then it basically says that 27 billion come from televisions, 21 from gaming, 30 from other. And then this suggests that audio is likely in the range of three to four billion. Um, so this is maybe also a little bit of how to do the business research with numbers. Mm. Yeah, 
fun fact airpods <laughs> <laughs> you know where i'm going with this yeah i mean bring it on airpods are just such a money-making machine this is unbelievable do you know how much revenue airpods in themselves like you know by themselves make compared to all the other companies so airpods again you can't find the exact numbers but using some proxy numbers and triangulating you can see that only airpods for apple make roughly between 10 and 15 billion per year which means airpods in itself make more revenue than spotify does as a company isn't that and, crazy and sonos together and sonos mm. together <laughs> yeah. i guess the, the missing link between you know your streaming and convenience and whatnot um they're just ubiquitous aren't they really are yeah that's and, incredible i mean we'll probably talk about this in the next segment but this is one of the biggest opportunities i think for sonos like hey headphones maybe. yeah not done anything there yet not yeah. that I'm aware of. Don't know if you've no, seen. No, there are rumors. There have right. been rumors since 2021, but like, I guess does it neatly fit into that whole ecosystem thing? It would be a very different product offering, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think hmm. I don't think of well. It, we, I know that we say that the audio quality is very, very good, and like that is where they're positioning themselves. But it's it's not hi-fi quality. It's worth pointing that out. Like yes. if you get the nerds on YouTube yeah. <laughs> doing a comparison between like a Sonos setup, like an art, art, like for a grand, you compare that to like putting together you know a load of separates and doing it all in that way. Yeah, there's a difference, and I, I'm not sure would people associate Sonos with that like really really high quality audio rather than just the convenience. There would have to be a real convenience aspect, I think, to the headphones to to make them stand out against the other headphone offerings. Um, maybe, I just yeah, I can't quite see where it would where it would sit. Yeah, yeah, that's why they probably didn't do it yet because it doesn't fit that nicely into the mm. strategy, but. What I know as a numbers guy is when you see these numbers, you like you you probably as especially as a public company, you just can't help yourself. Like mm. you need to try it. There's an opportunity, right? Even if we take the like ten five five percent of that market, it's um, yeah, it's it's enormous slice of the pie. If we can find if people are really bought into the brand and the ecosystem, which they clearly are, yeah. when we look at those um those repurchasing figures, then then yeah maybe True. yeah maybe there is something there yeah this is one of the like the never it's one of the most important questions that businesses face it's like when you're not doing as great so Sonos is doing pretty good but it's not like an amazing now uh, story that investors would dream of investing their money in and yeah in these cases then you look for inspiration like what are other players in this space doing and that's when you start copying too much mm -hmm. so that's the fear i have for sonos and frankly for any other company just like oh let's just jump into headphones because this is not super profitable blah 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 but a really important question is what is the sonos way of doing headphones you know mm -hmm. what is the advantage we have over others it gives me hope that they are usually taking really good decisions it gives me hope uh, that they could you know have a good product design yeah. there but at the moment i'm not buying their stock 
also one other thing how much is the net margin again uh, do we have also total numbers like what is the profit EBITDA margin I mean ease I can quickly look it up Sonos 2022 investor numbers um, so 1.7 billion in revenue and uh, adjusted EBITDA no never look at adjusted EBITDA give me a normal EBITDA please I can't find it in the moment front it's all right but because I, I, I wanted to bring up one thing and discuss one thing because you said it's not really an investment case mm-hmm. um, Sonos did secure 400 and something million in 445 million in, in total yeah so 445 million in total yeah they did an IPO at 1.9 billion right that's a good question so that's mm-hmm. what X that's a 4x but i mean one thing that you have to keep in mind is certain investors that invested very early did well but then the the later you invest in the company the higher the valuation the lower the multiple for you as investors but yeah yeah, if we just look at total number of investments which is 450 million and then you divide that with 2 billion yeah not a crazy return not 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 bad either but most yeah. of the vc companies look for those 10x that's what i was trying to say right so this it it is an okay case it was an okay case for first investors also going public with 1.9 billion is actually a success considering that yeah. we have now 1.8 of market cap so actually the ipo <laughs> was in 2017 18 yeah. mm. so they went public with 1.95 billion now they have 1.8 so yeah i think they started out pretty great but ever since or especially since after corona wore off um they're really not doing great and that's the funny thing because tom in the beginning i think after the first 20 minutes we got a feeling that you know sonos is the best thing ever and we love their products they're you know they have a good competitive advantage and then you dig into these numbers and you get worried well it's always a interesting sort of existential question for designers is like we always say you know design it and they will come like if you've got the best products it's going to be a great business but yeah not not necessarily always the case i think we can't deny it's a good business at the moment like it's just not from from an investment perspective you're talking about it's not going to 10x anytime soon um you're you're not buying but you know it's good business but if you adjust in the profits and the numbers gain um which obviously they are as a as a company they're going to want to they they've probably got may i have some sustained profitability but that big big leaps um might be might be more difficult in that premium category um but yeah that's just the downside of being public you always have this Mm. expectation of yeah we want more Mm, yeah and then the worry comes right and we talked about this with lululemon last time of you talked about having to diversify like that could be a strategy of like okay we go after yeah. um uh play somewhere that we haven't before where there's opportunity to take a piece of the pie but then we dilute the offering or we take innovation resources away from what we do really well right now so um yeah always always gotta be mindful um of that might bring some short-term gains going into the headphone business but 
if people stop seeing you as a, the strongest speaker player, if you stop innovating there and investing there, that's a challenge longer term. This is yeah. this is the, the, the eternal problem with being um, having pressure from stakeholders, shareholders, should I say. Yeah, in this case, it's <laughs> shareholders. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, so, give you pressure. Should we look into the future? What do yes. you think? Let's, Let's do get that. a crystal ball out. Yeah. Threats and opportunities. Yeah. Do you want to go first, Franz? I mean, threats, again, I think we discussed most of them. I think one very big threat is smart speakers and their inability to capture a good share of this market. Um, so that not really new. The next one is also this streaming services shift. So this, let's say, pressure for all the streaming services to maybe change something in their monetization strategy, change something in their um, in their approach to doing business, which could lead to kicking out um, or not licensing their services to, to um, Sonos anymore or maybe having exclusive content. So I think that's a huge one. I think one big problem is that it seems that Sonos does not own the most important step in the value chain. So when you think about this whole consuming music, the most important thing is the music. So this, you're still dependent on somebody integrating. So as the business model of, of uh, or the products of Sonos works, they're still dependent on being integrated with all music streaming services. So if they don't own that, they always are in trouble um, if that changes. And it smells a little bit like that. And the second one that gets even stronger now and seems to be the new most important step in the value chain is the smart capabilities of voice control. And here is where they invested, but still they are a yeah, tiny share of the market of the smart speaker. Mm -hmm. So I think here it's more a catch-up game rather than a um, Sonos being the front runner, which they're used to uh, used be in, the, um, in this speaker world. Mm. And so, so we should stay on threats. I don't know if you want any more threats, um, we'll come back to opportunities or is that all of your sort of threats, friends? Last threat, generally hardware business. Mm. It's hard to be a Tough hardware game. business. <laughs> so yeah. that's why that's why the name. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, every year you're starting with zero. You don't have like a base of subscription. Mm. You do have a nice base of users that can add things to their ecosystem so with sonos you have already they have already kind of mitigated this a little bit but still hardware is hard if you're not selling every year consistently like four million five million units yeah but where are these where are they gonna go if you if the they like if they work for seven years right so it's really hard to keep this up um year after year um and the pressure comes from as we said not only cheap knockoffs but also Amazon, Google, um, and um, Apple. Apple, yeah, mm, mm, definitely. Um, Alan, threats from from your perspective. In addition to what Franz has said, um, if you have the, any, Franz had some some great ones in there. So yeah. yeah, if you've got any additional ones, I mean, the quick thing, for example, like we could talk about the supply chain uh, potentially mm. disrupting because of everything that has happened during the COVID um, pandemic. You know, I don't know exactly where their suppliers are, but if this is not 
domestic or if it's not you know diversified enough then you could have issues there another one is just general economic downturn which we are facing at the moment and when that happens electronics is one thing that people you know it's a luxury in a way and um, it's one thing we can easily cut out especially if you're not like into music and into high-end music you can just instead of buying an expensive high-end speaker you can just use your computer speaker or something else so yeah these are two additional things that i had in the list that france didn't mention mm. yeah but they're both short term i think yeah i think the i don't know if this is a, so much a threat but a lack of opp- opportunity moving forward is i think they had a big kind of sales like big growth spurt with covid right working from home wanting decent music around you the sort of growth in staying at home, Netflix, people wanted to make that experience way, way better than it is through their crappy speakers on their TV. It's, you know, how much has the premium market been saturated? How many people are already now owners? And the 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 temptation might be to try and go for a less premium market. That might be an opportunity. I won't go into that right now. But yeah, how much have they already captured most of their um, potential market that came in because of um, explosion in streaming, being at home all the time, like they're not going to have years like 2020, 2021, 2022, Mm. potentially not um, without, without something else coming along (laughs) that makes people desire those, those products quickly to make their lives more, more, uh, more fun. During, <laughs> during those tough times. Um, so opportunities. Um, Alan, do you want to go first this time? What, what, could, what could make the future more rosy for, for Sonos in the, in the tough, tough business of hardware? Headphones. That's one. I mean, mm. we talked about it. Another one is maybe getting acquired uh, by, you know, if either having a partnership or getting acquired by one of those big tech players, I think could be their move so sort of a merger acquisition these are the two big opportunities maybe new markets so if they have a different type of product or a cheaper product maybe they can go to new geographies uh, direct to consumer um, so that could be in terms of the growth yeah okay so product innovation uh, financial innovation in terms of getting acquired or <laughs> of uh, or partnering up and then sales innovation so just finding new channels and finding new locations to go after mm. I did so see as you the, can see no great ideas no great ideas <laughs> and hopefully their team are on it <laughs> um i did see that the during covid the direct consumer numbers for them doubled um mm. in that first year of covid like from like 11 percent to like 24 something like that, which is an enormous drop that's multi-year growth in dtc um because obviously they weren't able to sell um in that traditional environment and it is interesting isn't it that people so many people are willing to part with their cash for an audio product a premium audio product without necessarily hearing it i bought it on trust watched a bunch of youtube videos and just that the, the experience sold me of like this is not going to be a pain to set up I think that says a lot that you're willing, yeah. people are willing to shell out for a premium audio product 
and maybe not even hear it in a, in a store. So that, that's really interesting. Franz, yeah. any other opportunities on your side? Honestly, not at all. <laughs> so the, no. <laughs> I was close to definitely the the um, uh, headphones. I can't stop thinking about what they do with their partnerships and integrations, which was what made them really strong. But there is no real differentiation, right? Because you can't stream something else than music. You have already integrated all your streaming providers. So I think that's more like, I don't really know what to do, what I would do in their place with this um, ecosystem of streaming, streaming providers. But I believe that this is, so that's my projection. This is going to be a um, either a move or a problem for them. Mm. Interesting. We're not seeing, yeah, the, the product innovation opportunities are start to feel quite minimal beyond, it, you know, quite marginal changes in products. They've, they've recently gone into like the Dolby Atmos area, trying to build speakers that can do spatial audio, but um, they're very, very expensive. Um, mm. They're one of the first to market on that. So there is opportunity there. And you can't have that, you can't send Atmos to existing speakers, right? So... There is an incentive for some people if that technology really becomes something people want in the homes, there could be this whole boom of replacement um, yeah. of the hardware. So that could be something. Um, That's an interesting I, one. I wondered whether there's anything they do, and I, I couldn't personally advocate for this because I think it is potentially wasteful, um, but something in the financing of hardware for consumers of encouraging more regular updates or upgrades through a sort of rental system so you know you are, you have these devices on a on a subscription and then in five years we'll upgrade all of your hardware um, and they have that kind of recurring revenue um but yeah yeah so like a business model innovation which could lead to more adoption also to marketing like oh this is a cool new story I would argue this could even uh, be better for the environment because then you as a company are is, is you're basically incentivized to create a product that can be refurbished mm. so you will put different materials in there that are easier to be reused because you are the owner mm. when you when, when you basically let someone subscribe to your product then you will think much harder about how to make this more robust yeah. so that's an interesting one Mm. Um, and could definitely change the playing field. From the business perspective, it's definitely interesting. Not so sure about from the user perspective, like do people want to subscribe to have another subscription? Mm. And probably Spotify is in a better space to do that. Like, hey, if you just add a little bit more here, uh, you also get a speaker with your Spotify subscription. So it's easier to already build on a subscription than to introduce it. But it's an interesting thought for sure. Yeah. Do we think they could move into the content space? Like I know that they have their own radio offering now, like ad-free um, kind of paid option. And they, they're really talking about how great their, well, isn't everyone, how great their AI modeling is as far as mm. recommendation engines. Um, but I guess that would then go against their ethos of being an open platform of streaming from anywhere if they started to really push their own content model. But that could be another thing they, they consider maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Watch this space, I guess. I'm curious to see if these uh, headphones show up in the next few months and mm, we can, we yes, can re recap. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we should hold on to this episode until they release <laughs> headphones. So I guess final question is whether we're 
Well, we called it buying or selling. This isn't financial advice, all that kind of stuff. We're with bullish or bearish on on Sonos moving forward um, in, the, in, a, in the next couple of years. Uh, Franz, how are you feeling about them after our? I'd sell. Definitely yeah. not buy. <laughs> okay. Why? Why, so why in particular? We've probably covered most of it, but... Yeah. I think with... Obviously, with every company, the earlier you invest, the better it is. But I think especially with hardware, that's where you need to be early in the game. And now I think the lemon is squeezed. It feels like it. I feel like that's the case for Sonos. Um, Might be like a healthy business um, in future. Maybe they're focusing more on being profitable from now on. But I think there won't be much growth. It might be a good profitable business but also again it's hardware and electronics which yeah with a strong uh, with a strong competition so even if they have good unit margins um i say no no alan also bearish at the moment Mm -hmm. yes for all the reasons we mentioned uh it just the story doesn't seem very positive at the moment so Definitely not on my buying list. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel the same on reflection. You know, very often we, we you know, it's a brand we love. We want them to succeed, but it looks challenging. Um, you know, we're looking back at a company that started over 20 years ago. That's a really good run. Uh, and I'm sure they will be around for the foreseeable, but whether they have that, that kind of big innovation, big growth opportunities that we've seen so far. Um, so, yeah with you maybe maybe one day we'll come back to these and see see what our predictions were mm, how we should have a, <laughs> some kind of a list dmba index indeed indeed <laughs> cool maybe it would be fun because we wouldn't buy anything <laughs> <laughs> it's two let's two see. and two so far of uh, not true. feeling too bullish so yeah. let's um right now think of what the next i mean not right now in this episode but right now after closing this episode talking about what we should tear apart next maybe mm. we find a buy candidate yeah day. it might be a newer business i reckon that if we're looking for more con- candidates yeah but, um, could also yeah. be a uh, old business that's super profitable super profitable think coca-cola mm. right mm. super old but still a yeah. stock that you might want to invest in mm. unless but, yeah. you don't like the company yeah, that's all the stories. Yeah, that's another one completely. <laughs> cool. I think we're done. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Franz. For everyone who stayed with us until now, you are a perfect fit for Mini MBA. So, if you enjoyed this type of content, what we do is we also have this free email course where if you sign up over the course of seven days, you receive seven emails, each of them teaching you a certain business concept that's relevant to the work of designers. So if you're interested in uh, signing up, head over to d.mba slash mini MBA. So that's d.mba slash mini MBA. And that is indeed everything in this episode. Thanks everyone. And see you soon with the next teardown. Bye-bye. Bye.